Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Woohoo! How are you? How you doing? How you feeling? You look good. (laughs) Thank you. (sighs) Can we just take a moment to ground into this space? Deep breath in through the nose. And just a deep, audible exhale out through the mouth. Let the week go. I honor you for being here today in this beautiful space. Thank you for showing up for yourself. Thank you for showing up for love. Thank you for showing up for your light. I thank you for every single obstacle that you have overcome this week. All hours, all minutes, all days of this week, I thank you. Thank you for being here. You are such a magical being. You are so sacred and so pure. And I ask that you put your hand on your heart and you thank yourself for being here today. Amen. And so I really wanna touch base on that, about honoring yourself, being with yourself in this moment because I noticed that this week, I was actually more focused on the negative, the things that I didn't accomplish, the things I didn't get done. And then I stopped and I'm like, wait, Crystal, but you did 10 things, great. And then I noticed that we kind of get caught up in that loop, right? Of that self-negative loop, I should have done this better, I should have done that better, I could have done this better, I could have done that better. And we don't really focus on the milestones that we make on a daily basis. And so today, I just wanna honor you just for being here, for fighting those battles that you fight in the dark when no one else is around, when it's only you and God in your heart and your soul. And all you have to do in that moment is to trust that everything is working out in the greater good for yourself and all of humanity. And so I ask that you place your feet firmly on the floor as we ground into this moment. Allow your shoulders to roll back. Allow your neck to move from side to side. Relax your eyebrows. Let go of that jaw tension. Remove your tongue from the top of your mouth 
and allow it to just relax. And as we breathe today, a light of peace and calm overwhelms your mind, your heart, your body, and your soul. Allow this light to in be invited into your heart. Allow this light to overcome every fear, every obstacle, any anxiety, any worry. Allow this light of God to be your savior in this moment. And may these moments of peace and love and trust follow you from this day forward. And so we take a deep inhale through the nose and we release together out through the mouth. And I want you to pay attention to the sound as we inhale together, deep inhale. And listen to the sound as we exhale together as a unit, we exhale through the mouth. We release our fears, keep breathing. We release our worries. We breathe in peace and calm. Deep inhale. Deep exhale. Deep inhale. And we exhale. Keep breathing in this pattern. And as you breathe, fill your lungs with joy and peace and wisdom. Feel as your lungs, as they, as they, what's the word? <laughs> Inflate, there we go. Feel as they expand. And as we exhale, feel as the breath touches your belly and send that belly to your spine. And so we inhale, we inflate our lungs and we expand and we allow all of creation to enter and we exhale what we no longer need and we allow the belly to touch the spine. Expand. Contract. Expand. Contract. Expand. Contract. Expand. Contract. When we expand, we allow God to open doors unseen. When we let go and we breathe and we exhale, we allow God to close those doors that no longer serve us. And we invite the breath into our body. And now as we exhale, we exhale through the nose. So allow the breath to stay within. Inhale. Inhale, exhale. 
Inhale, five, four, three, two, one. Hold it. Let go. Beautiful. Let's do that again. Deep inhale for five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's just hold it. Let it go. Beautiful. Find stillness. Transcend your limitations. You are free now. Free to take the journey of a lifetime. Free to experience life in its newness, its freshness, its magic, in a way you never have before. The only limitations on you are the ones you've placed on yourself. Your prison has been of your own making. Don't blame or chastise yourself. Life has created certain challenges for you, but the purpose hasn't been to imprison you. The purpose has been to set you free, to provide you with the lessons, experiences, circumstances that would trigger your growth and your healing. Life has been provoking you, promoting, urging you to grow, stretch, learn, heal. Life has been trying to break you out of your prison deep inhale. Let go. Set yourself free. Let yourself go on a journey of love. Take notes, be present, experience, learn, love and laugh, and cry when you need to. Rest when you are tired. Take a flashlight to help you see in the dark. But most of all, take yourself and go. Go on your journey of joy. Beautiful inhale. Let's hold it. Exhale. Let it all out. Hold it at the bottom. Invite the breath back in into your mind, your heart, your body, your soul. And may this peace follow you throughout your week. In God's name I pray, amen. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks, brother. Happy Sunday. So good to see you. I love you. And I mean it, actually, when I say that. And I have to remind people who are like, what's wrong with this guy saying, I love you, you didn't even know me. Why do you love me? That's the point, for no reason. Got to start loving each other for no reason, just because it's who we are. I want to talk to you today about enjoying the little things in life. I was hanging out uh, recently with some friends, and somebody threw out the question, what is it that brings you joy? And... Everybody was answering that question in a very deep, profound way, talking about their career, their life calling, their mission and purpose. 
But when it was my turn, for some reason, the only thing that I can think about as I genuinely contemplated the question, what is it that brings me joy, was the simple pleasures of life. First thing came to my mind was my dog. She literally wakes me up with kisses every morning. In the mouth, though, it's a little disgusting, but... <laughs> I trained her to do that, and it's weird, but we have this thing that... Does anybody else do that? I don't know. Oh, yes, there's a few of us, okay. Some of you are like, yuck, oh my gosh. You know, but moments like that, they fill my cup. You know, I think about having my Cuban toast with cafe con leche on Saturday mornings. I love it. I love it. Laying on my hammock, reading a nice book. Going to the gym and instead of working out, just talking to everybody. <laughs> and then getting like this incredible protein shake after. Oh. These, literally yesterday, the new gym that I go to right next to it, there's a place called Power Smoothie. I went there, I had this incredible wrap, and then I had a smoothie with papaya, banana, strawberries, honey, protein, peanut butter. As I was leaving there, just with myself, I was like, man, this ain't fair. This, is, this life is too good. This is too good. This is, this is the good life, man. Really? That's, for me, what brings me joy. As much as this seems so trivial and insignificant, when it comes to the grand scheme of my life, this is where I have learned to derive the most pleasure because what I've come to realize is that all of these little moments are what make up the majority of our life. So many of us are constantly striving to achieve and accomplish something really big, not realizing that life is made up of the little things. True happiness isn't about fulfilling every pleasure. It's not about getting everything that you want in life. It's about having a peaceful mind being content, not having this incessant craving for more and more and more and more. You know, I've done a lot of funerals over the last 12 years that I've been in uh, pastoral ministry. And it's had me reflecting a lot on how it is I will be remembered. Anybody ever take the time to think about that? Most of us want to be remembered for our legacy, our impact our influence, our status, our accomplishments. But the people who know you and love you the most aren't going to remember you for any of that stuff. They're going to remember you for how weird you were. <laughs> They're going to remember you for how quirky you were. When it's time for the open mic and people are going to come up and share about your life, nobody's going to go up there and say, the way that she color-coordinated her Instagram posts... <laughs> The way that that man was so consistent with his content, wow, what a special soul. All the money that they made, wow, I love them so much because of that. No, it's going to be the unplanned, spontaneous, stupid little moments that people are going to hold on to as the most memorable. What a reminder not to take our lives that seriously. This is a play. God created this for fun, for our joy and for his glory. And God gets the most glory when you get the most joy out of the life that he's given to you. 
It's the little things. Of course, we experience happiness when the big things happen. You know, you get married. You started a new business. We're having a kid. We're going on vacation. The big moments are awesome. They're fun. But big life events happen sporadically. It's the small stuff that happens moment to moment. So if we neglect the small things, we're actually missing out on enjoying a majority of our lives. So is the big stuff important? Absolutely. But our lives are comprised of millions of small moments that are all strung together. So if you really want to enjoy your life, you got to learn how to start making a big deal out of little things. I love this quote that says, enjoy the little things. For one day you may look back and realize they were the big things. It's been fascinating for me. I'm coming up now one year uh, in hospice as a chaplain. And it's, it's been beautiful. I always talk to people about how uh, my job is so fulfilling and how it brings such a deep sense of purpose to me, as if I didn't already have that with this. Uh, so God's just been blessing me in tremendous ways. And the things I get to see, the stories that I get to hear, it's been really interesting for me to come across people at the end of their life who are uh, depressed, who are ready to give up on life because they aren't able to do the things that they used to do, right, for so long. They were people of influence and power, and they gave themselves completely and totally to their career path, and they were always very independent. But life is this circle, you know, so I would call it the circle of life. You start as a little baby, and then in the last days, you end up just like one with people wiping your butt and feeding you. And for some of us, oh my gosh, even just the thought of that is horrific. And I've been with people who are like, I, I, I don't even know if I want to continue living. I don't have an identity anymore now that I'm not doing what I've always done. I was with one patient in particular who, as he was expressing these things to me, I see next to him an incredibly loving spouse, which is not something to take for granted because I've also been with people at that stage of their life who don't have any family or family that really doesn't care about them. Maybe they had relational conflict issues that got to the point where now, I don't know, yeah, my mom's dying, okay, big deal. Let me know how she's doing. Yeah, really. So he has an incredible spouse. He's got some grandkids hanging around at the house. He's in a nice, beautiful house. But this guy particularly couldn't recognize any of those things because this big part of his life where he found his identity was now taken from him. And so he felt lost. You ever heard the phrase, don't put all of your eggs in one basket? That applies perfectly to joy. Don't derive all of your joy from one thing. If you can find joy in many things, then you won't lose all of your joy if one of those things disappears. Because for some of us, it's like, yeah, my career is my life. This is my everything. And we don't realize that from one moment to the next, that can be gone. Oh, my marriage is my everything. I live for this. And from one moment to the next, it can be gone. 
Don't put all of your joy in one thing. Find it in many things so that if any one thing disappears, your joy will still be there. You will still have other sources from which you derive a sense of happiness in life. I contrast this last experience that I shared with you with another woman that I visited. And this one, she was incredible. She always offered me a little cafecito when I went into her house. <laughs> and her son is the owner of one of my favorite bakeries in uh, Hialeah called, uh, no, Morro Castle. So when I found out, one person knows about Morro Castle. Shout out. <laughs> and when I found that out, I was like, oh, my God, that's my favorite place. And now they love me all of a sudden because we had that connection. Well, this lady... She was telling me, I haven't been able to leave this house in two years. Imagine that. Okay, you're just living, and then the decline happens fast when you're at that stage of your life. You know, from one, one moment, everything's good, and then in a matter of weeks and months, you're just... So she says, it's been two years since I've been able to leave this house. But you know what she kept bringing up? How grateful she was for the view outside her window. When I looked outside her window, there ain't much of a view. <laughs> it's a parking lot in Hialeah, and there was one tree with barely any leaves on it. But for her, and she's telling me about the little birds that visit her. You sense that gratitude? For her, that view was a gift. How could something so small, so seemingly insignificant, Bring that woman who hasn't been able to leave her house for two years so much joy and peace. Reminds me of this wonderful quote that says, Blessed are they who see beautiful things in humble places where other people see nothing. See, spirituality isn't about doing extraordinary things. It's about doing very everyday, ordinary things with a profound sense of gratitude, like looking out of a window like enjoying a meal, like having a good conversation with somebody that you love. This week, I was with another patient who, he was really going through it because he's 56 years old, just got cancer. And he, and he was telling me, I've been working my whole life. He's a UPS driver for like 30-something years. Finally gets to retire, sail into the sunset, Guy likes to go on boats and go fishing, and he just came back from a hunting trip, and now he got this diagnosis of cancer. Something happened. They had to cut off all his toes on his right foot. You look at him, his skin is all yellow and pale. I mean, he's, you know, he's declining rapidly, and he's telling me, I waited my whole life to be able to enjoy my retirement. And now God does this. Wow. What a reminder for me that was as I was talking with this man to live fully now. Not to live for some future that I don't know will even be here. Not to live for a future that I have no control over. 
but to be fully present, fully engaged in this moment, not to postpone my enjoyment of life to a later time. The time is always now. All we ever have is now. And some of us neglect that. It's impossible for me to do it because I'm around death all the time. So I guess I'm just here. I'm your angel of death today to remind you. (laughs) You will not be here forever. (laughs) The other day I was um, talking with my dad. He picked me up from the airport. I came back from uh, Atlanta. I was doing a couple of things with a network, uh, a church network that has been very supportive to Heartway. And uh, when my dad picked me up, we started just talking about life and the future. And he, he's definitely an old man, you know. <laughs> um, and this old man said to me, he's like, you know, I had a lot of plans for what this stage of my life would look like. And none of them worked out except for you. <laughs> I know, that was very really nice. You know, all that affirmation I've been wanting my whole life, I got it. It was the first part of that sentence, though, that really got me. So you're telling me you can just plan your whole life for things to go a certain way. And it doesn't. A lot of us are experiencing that right now. Where you are right now, you did not plan to be here. You didn't think you would be where you are right now. So what makes you think that everything in your future is going to end up being exactly the way that you've planned it to be? No. That doesn't mean don't plan, don't project, don't prepare. But let's be aware of the fact that our future will probably look a lot different than we think it will. So while we should work towards creating the life that we want, may we never do that at the expense of enjoying the life that we actually have. This is the life that you have. You can find joy in this life now. Scriptures say you can make your plans, but it's God who directs your steps. And God is always up to something good. So if you're in on that secret and you've really come to see that for yourself, you're not afraid of the twists and turns that come with life. One philosopher says, when you're on a journey and the end keeps getting further and further away, then you realize that the real end is the journey. There's this wonderful uh, story about a fisherman and a businessman. Fisherman was out in Mexico, laying out by the beach, enjoying the sunset, just finished fishing for the day, caught a couple fish, enjoyed it with his family. Now he was chilling. Businessman comes up sees that he only has one fishing pole, and he still has time to catch more fish, but he's just resting, chilling, enjoying the sunset. So this businessman is like, hey, bud, what are you doing? Why are you just relaxing when you could be catching more fish? And he says, well, what what should I do? He says, well, if you work a couple more hours, you'll catch more fish. You can sell some of those fish, and you'll make more money. The fisherman says, okay, and then what? Well, if you make more money, then you can buy a boat. You buy a boat, you catch more fish. He says, and then what? Well, you make more money, you get more boats. Then you get more employees. Then you catch more fish. And he says, and then what? And the businessman got really ticked. He said, what do you mean, and then what? 
If you work really hard, if you build this up and scale this up as high as you can, one day you'll be able to have other people working for you. You'll be able to relax, sit on this beach, enjoy the sunset and rest. And the fisherman looks at him and says, what do you think I'm doing now? Thomas Merton says, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. So you've got to really clearly define for yourself what your definition of the good life is. What is the good life? I am not anti-success. By all means, go as far as you can go, but don't lose your life in the process. There are things that matter more. So my definition of the good life is contentment. And contentment has nothing to do with what you have or don't have, how much you accomplish or how much you don't accomplish. Contentment is a state of mind that is brought about by gratitude and contentment is accessible to you every moment of every day. There are people who have a lot who are not content. So are they rich or are they poor? There are people who have very little who are content. So are they rich or are they poor? Of course, it's difficult to be uh, content when we are absorbed in a culture that's constantly instilling in us this message that we're not enough. We have to constantly do more and be more. And so because we feel like we aren't enough and we don't have enough, some of us just don't know when to stop. Right? It's a good thing to maximize your potential. Some people don't even begin to explore their potential as human beings because of a lack of self-worth, lack of self-confidence, and so they live in a shell. They hide their gifts. They're afraid of rejection, of criticism, and that's a lot of us. But then there's others of us who are like, yeah, I'm going to be everything that I can be in life. And then you just end up doing it so much that you hit a wall and everything starts to crumble because you're living at a pace you can't keep up with. You're trying to do too much. We don't know when to stop. We get so caught up in our goals and in the big picture that we forget to cherish all of the small moments that make life worthwhile. There's a story in the Jewish tradition. It's called Midrash. That's like a creative storytelling in order to teach spiritual lessons. And when rabbis would do Midrash, they would kind of expand on the biblical text. And there's this one Midrash, Jewish Midrash, on the story of the splitting open of the Red Sea and the people of Israel being delivered by God from their slavery in Egypt. And the rabbis used to tell a story about two Israelites by the name of Reuben and Simon. In that moment when God parted the seas, Reuben and Simon stepped onto that ground, which was like a beach at low tide, a little, little muddy, and they started complaining. They were looking down the whole time and saying, what is, what is all this mud? This is dirty. It's disgusting. I can't believe there's mud all over the place. Look at how dirty that we're getting. And they were walking through the Red Sea that whole time. 
just complaining. Man, for this, we might as well have stayed in Egypt. What, are, what, what, what is the point of all of this? This is horrible. And when they got to the end, they see all the Israelites celebrating, clapping their hands, singing out to God. They had no idea why everybody was so happy because for them, this was horrible. It was sticky and muddy and disgusting. And so the rabbi said, for Reuben and Simon, the miracle of the Red Seas being parted didn't happen. The miracle didn't happen for them because they were so busy looking down at the mud that they weren't able to look up to see these walls of water being held up by the power of God. They missed the miracle. I wonder how often we miss the miracles that are happening around us all the time because we complain, because we're so easily irritated and frustrated by other people and the stuff that happens in life. For a lot of us, the little things don't bring us joy. The little things annoy us. And we just keep getting annoyed and frustrated and irritated by the little things that are happening in our life. And then those little things become big things, just in the reverse way. What miracles are we missing because we lack a sense of gratitude, because we rush through life so quickly? You know, it's a good thing to slow down your life sometimes. And even if outwardly things remain busy, inwardly you can still pause. You can still take a moment. You can still soak it in. Every time I do a, a marriage ceremony, I always tell the couples, I was like, First of all, act like y'all love each other. Hold hands. Look at each other, okay? Now, take a deep breath. Soak it all in. Look around you. Take some time to do that with your life. And some of you may say, well, Danny, I don't know how I'm supposed to not complain. Things in my life are so dark. All I see is darkness. And I love the metaphor of stargazing. You know, we live here in South Florida. You go to downtown Miami, downtown Fort Lauderdale, downtown West Palm, a lot of buildings, a lot of lights. You try and look up at the sky, you're not going to see the stars. But if you go out into the woods or into the Everglades, if you go deep in there where nobody lives and where it's really, really dark and you look up at the sky, oh, my goodness, you are looking into the universe. You see stuff moving up there. So it's actually when your surroundings are the darkest that the stars shine the brightest. That's how it works with God. When your life feels like it is so dark, that is when God's light shines the brightest. You just have to look up to see it. You just have to open your eyes to become aware of it. There's this wonderful story in the book of Genesis about a man named Jacob. And Jacob was traveling to a town called Haran. Haran, in Hebrew, literally means parched, dried out. Well, as he approaches this town, he falls asleep on a rock as his pillow. While he's asleep, he gets this incredible vision. He sees this ladder that starts from the ground and goes all the way up to the heavens. And then he sees angels descending and ascending from that ladder. 
And when he wakes up, he gets this revelation, this realization. And he says these words, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I wasn't aware of it. How awesome is this place? What place is he talking about? A parched, dried out piece of land? But he's saying here, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So it was in a parched land, in a dried out piece of land, where he said, the presence of God is here in its fullness. So in those parched, dried out seasons of our life, that truth remains. God is there. God is present. God is always working. God is always arranging things in your favor. The presence of God, the beauty of God, the goodness of God is always there for you to enjoy, for you to become aware of. You just got to notice. See, for a lot of us in our culture, we have to see it to believe it. But when it comes to faith, the opposite is true. You got to believe it to see it. When you believe in the synchronicity of life, you will see it. When you believe that God is working everything out for your good, you will see it. When you believe that everything is always working out in your favor, you will see it. But if you wait to see it first and then I'll believe it, you'll be waiting a long time. First you believe it, then you start to see it. That's how it works. One last story. It's about a king who in his sleep had this thought. There are three questions that I need to answer. And if I find the answers to these three questions, I know I will be happy, I will enjoy my life, and I will be the best leader that I can be for my people. And those questions were, what is the most important time? Who is the most important person? And what is the most important thing to do? If I can answer these three questions, I know I'll live a good life. And so he asked a bunch of people for counsel, didn't receive any answers that really stuck out to him. And so he heard about a hermit that lived out outside of the town. And he went to visit the hermit. When he went there, he found that the hermit was doing a whole bunch of gardening work. And so he asked the questions to the hermit. Hermit said nothing, just kept working really hard. King realized that the hermit was struggling and like getting really tired, so he helped him out, started doing gardening work for him. After a while, he said, hey, do you have an answer to these three questions? Hermit remained silent. So the king stayed overnight. He's like, you know what, I'm going to stay one more night, and I'll ask the guy in the morning. I'll keep being nice and help him out with his gardening work because it looks like he was struggling. Stays overnight. Next morning, wakes up, starts gardening. Ask this hermit the three questions. Silence. Next thing you know, there's a guy that comes out of nowhere, wounded. The king sees him, starts to help him, starts to bandage his wounds. And that man said, I actually wanted to kill you. I was waiting for you to leave here and go back into the city. I wanted to take your life because your father, the last king, treated my family very badly, took away our land, and now we have nothing. And now that you've helped bandage my wounds, I owe you my life. And so they were able to be reconciled in that moment. 
And the king gave this man his land back and more, set up his family for many generations to come. After that scenario, the king looks at the hermit and says, now do you have an answer to these three questions? Look at everything that's happening. What's going on? And the hermit says, there's no need for me to answer it. The questions have already been answered. The king says, what? How? He says, well, yesterday, if you wouldn't have helped me when you saw me struggling with the gardening, you would have gone back home and that man would have killed you. So the most important time was when you were helping me. The most important person in that moment was me. And the most important thing that you did was to do good for me. And then he says, the next day, when that man came out of the woods and you started helping him, the most important time was when you were bandaging his wounds. Because if that wouldn't have happened, now his family would continue to struggle for generations to come. And he would have died without making peace. But now, everything has changed. So the most important time was when you were helping that man. The most important person in that moment was that man. And the most important thing that you did was to help him. And so the hermit said, never forget, the most important time is always now because this is the only time we have power over. The most important person is the person who is in front of you right now because you don't know if you're going to come across anybody else in the future. And the most important thing that you can do is to do good to those that God brings along your path, for that is the purpose for which we were created. That, for me, is the recipe for peace and contentment. It is a simplicity of life. That simplicity goes a long way in bringing you contentment. You don't need a lot of things to be happy. All you need is to open your eyes to what's in front of you right now. Happiness is what you discover when you make this moment the most important moment. And I'll end with these words from Mother Teresa who said, Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Amen. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful in this moment for the little things. Help us not to take our lives too serious, not to take ourselves too seriously, but to enjoy the small moments that make up the majority of our life. May we make a big deal out of the little things because those little things are where joy is to be found. May we not get too caught up in our pursuits, in our goals, to the point that we don't enjoy where we are right now in this moment. Help us to know when enough is enough. May we find this contentment that you offer to us. May we be at peace within our hearts. And may we find joy in the ordinary moments by developing a deep sense of gratitude for the present and for the people that we come across in our life. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for being with us. Love you. Happy Sunday. Have a great week. And we get to do it all over again next week. See ya.